Amen. Anyone get some yard work done this week? It's tough when the nice days are during the week, right? We got, most of us got to see the nice weather from a window. Anyone have a workplace where you don't have a window? I used to be, at my old job, my, my office was actually in a glorified closet. They, no joke. It was in an old movie theater. The church was in an old movie theater, and it used to be the closet where you would change, and they decided to make it my office. So uh, I kind of wanted it to rain every day. But it was a beautiful week. You could see all the mountains, right? Mount Rainier was out. Unbelievable. We had the Cascades. Anyone see the Olympics? Wow. You forget that they're there, right? (laughs) And you're like, wow, there's this whole mountain range over there. Beautiful weather. Today it looks like it's a little overcast, but it's not too bad. But I've noticed about myself, when it's sunny out, it is so much easier to get out of bed. Anybody else feel that way? (laughs) I mean, even if you didn't get enough sleep, the sun is such a motivating factor to help you get out of bed. I mean, truly and honestly, you give me a little sunshine... You give me the birds chirping, you give me a good good cup of decaf, I'm ready to go. Yes, I drink decaf. Today we're going to be talking about getting up. Getting up. Not out of bed, but out of the casket. Because, see, we were dead in our sins, and now we're alive in Christ. And every morning, regardless of how sunny it is, you and I are motivated by the Son. The Son of God, Jesus Christ. We are motivated to live out loud, grab a hold of everything that God has laid out for us today. Because he didn't just get us out of bed. He got us out of the morgue. He brought us from death to life. That's what we're going to talk about today. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in you and you alone, we have life. Let that truth permeate our hearts today, Lord. Let it sink in that it's you, Jesus, that has given us life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was recently hanging with a friend from uh, a friend of mine from high school. We were eating some really healthy burgers at Red Robins, and uh, I had the one with the egg on top. Anyways, but so good. Try the one with the egg on top. It'll kill you, but so good. I haven't seen him for like 12 years, maybe like 13 years, and uh, we both had a little more weight on us, a couple more wrinkles. I know I have more gray hairs than I did back then, but it was pretty easy to get back into conversation. He's a great guy. I mean, really a great guy. Was in high school, still is today. I was talking to him about my life. I, I talked to him about how I didn't end up marrying my high school sweetheart. I talked to him how I didn't end up marrying my college sweetheart because she called off the wedding. He was really interested in my personal dating relationships. So I um, talked to him eventually about how I'm married and I have kids. But then I said, he goes, what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a pastor. And almost every time I mentioned that I'm a pastor... Something just weird happens. I mean, I, I can't stand it. The conversation just changes all of a sudden. It's weird, but just because I'm a pastor, if I tell you I'm a pastor, we don't need to just start talking about God things. But that's what people do. It's like they need to try to relate with me, you know, you know, just kind of show that they're good. Like, yeah, I used to go to church, or I'm Catholic, or I donate to the Goodwill. You know, just really <laughs> random things that make you sound like you're good. No joke. One time, my, my hairdresser, I told her I was a pastor, and she said, oh, my, my grandma goes to church. <laughs> I'm like, what, what do I even say to that? Like, wow, go grandma. Hmm, grandma. 
But you know, the comment that drives me nuts is the one that my friend from high school gave me. I actually asked him a very bold question to ask in Red Robin. But I said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And he gave me the answer that he believes there's many paths to God. And who is he to judge which one is right? And by the way, that really is the acceptable answer in our culture today. You go around saying that, that there's many paths to God, whether it's Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam or Christianity, that you'll find God. Guess what? Everyone will love you. They will. That is such the acceptable answer. You write a book, millions of copies will be sold. You'll get your own PBS special. You will. It's the acceptable answer. It just happens to be one that I completely disagree with. So that's what he told me. And I responded as politely as I could that I believe Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. That there was no other way to get to our Father God except through him. It got really awkward. But he said, Dan, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm nice. I do good things for others. And he said, I think I'm going to be okay. And so we ate our lunch, had a good conversation. Great guy. Loved hanging out with him. Really one of the coolest people I've ever met. But for so many people on this earth, the gospel is about being nice. It's about being a good person. You know, on that scale of good and bad, doing more good than you do bad. Somehow we've convinced people that the gospel is about being good. I don't do a lot of bad things. I'm a good person. And we've also convinced the world that sin is about being bad. See, that sin, it's all about doing bad things. Well, let me enlighten you this morning. Sin, it's much worse than that. It's much worse than that. Sin doesn't just make us bad. Sin makes us dead. And that's a problem. For my friend, who really is a good person, his sin outside of believing in and accepting the work of Jesus Christ on the cross has left him spiritually dead. He's got a problem because dead people, there is nothing that a dead person can do to make them a little less dead. You cannot improve yourself to be a little less dead. Now, bad people, they can try to be good. Dead people, they can't do anything. Bad people, you can try to go to counseling. Dead people, they can't do anything. They have a major problem. And here's the deal. Jesus Christ, he didn't come down from his throne of glory just to come and better our lives so that we would do more good than bad. No, he took on flesh. He took on human form to bring us from death to life. That's the gospel. Romans 6, 23, if we could put it up on the screen, it tells us for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you know what that verse means, life spring? The wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all spiritually dead, but the gift of God, the unmerited favor of God, his grace has brought us from death to life. Something we did not deserve, yet he has given it to us through the free gift of grace through his son, Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is good news this morning. It can't get better than that. There is no better news. And this good news means that everyone in this room who is professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who's repented of your ways, turned to Jesus, believe that he died on the cross, that God raised him up from the dead. Every one of us that believes in Jesus, we no longer have that excuse that you don't have a good testimony. That is garbage. That is no longer in play. See, I used to think that way. 
I mean, I'd go to youth group, you'd hear about this guy, he was addicted to drugs, he killed a man, spent 10 years in prison, gave his life to the Lord, gave his testimony at youth group, everyone would accept Jesus, and then there's me. Pretty good, pretty boring, never been on drugs, never drank, never killed a man, never even talked to a cop, let alone spend any time in jail. Some kind of testimony, right? But the day, I gotta be honest, I would have such... A tough time hanging out with that version of me. I mean, that's really cool, overly hormonal teenage Dan that you don't do drugs. That's really cool that you don't get in trouble and that you're nice to everybody. But Dan, that's not your testimony. Your testimony is that I had something supernatural and miraculous happen to me. I, because of my own sinful choices, was spiritually dead. I was cut off, dormant, not breathing, unable to assist me in any way. I was dead, but the Son of God came from heaven to earth. He stood in my place. He died in my place. He was buried for me, raised up in the brand new life, and he brought me back from death to life. I used to be dead. Now I'm alive. Spiritually, I was dead, but now I'm alive. If you have faith in Christ today, you have a miraculous, supernatural, God-sized testimony, and you need to stop moaning about the fact that you've never been to prison for killing a man. <laughs> My testimony. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Your testimony. You were dead. Now you're alive. The details of the rest of your story, those are the unique and exciting parts that make your story specifically yours. But I want to make this point ridiculously obvious since we are a church that is obsessed with the person of Jesus Christ. Where sin makes people dead, Christ makes people alive. Amen. That's the gospel. And for me and for you, this truth should blow our minds for the rest of our days on this earth. It should blow our minds. You don't get over that. You don't move past that. I remember at my old church in Spokane... Uh, where I was a worship leader, when anybody ever came up to me and, and talked to me about just appreciating how I led us in worship or talking about how excited I seemed uh, to be when I was praising God, I always gave a very similar answer in response to them. First, I'd always say thank you, because right? I really did appreciate their encouragement. We need to never stop encouraging one another. But then I would say something like this, you know, God radically changed my life. He saved me. See, I was going one direction, and he turned my life 180 degrees in the opposite direction. I, I, was, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And out of that gratitude and that thankfulness, there's praise and worship that flows within me. In fact, I will never run out of praise for my Savior and all that He's done for me. And that's my testimony, and that's how I share, and that's how I would share in Spokane. That's our story. Our story, every one of us that believe in Jesus, our story is that a miracle happened to us. A miracle, a grade A first class, walking on water, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead, miracle happened to each one of us. And you don't get over that. You don't get over that. Ever. If you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, after Galatians, before Philippians. You remember that from God Eats Popcorn. Thank you, Emily, for teaching me that one. I find that people talk a lot about the Bible, even trying to reference the Bible without really knowing their Bible. Do you ever have somebody share from the Bible and they have no clue what they're talking about? <laughs> to be honest, I've done that a few times as well. But I was hanging out with a guy about 10 years ago, probably 11, 12 years ago, really bitter man. And uh, he found out I was a Christian and man, that got him all riled up. 
And he said, I don't understand you Christians, a bunch of hypocrites, telling us to love everybody and you don't even read your own Bibles. The Bible I read tells me an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I, I said, yeah, you know, actually, it does say that. That's part of the Old Testament law. That's probably in Exodus. Um, but as a follower of Jesus, I, I listened to what Jesus tells me. And Jesus actually said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, don't resist an evil person. If, if they slap you on the right cheek, go ahead and offer your other cheek as well. And he said something like, well, that just shows you the Bible's full of contradictions. <laughs> and that's, of course, a really popular line for somebody who's trying to blame others or find faults in the Bible instead of coming to grips with their own personal need for a savior. And he still needs a savior. But that kind of ignorant dialogue is why this walk through the book of Ephesians is so important. That we wouldn't just get tidbits of truth here and there that we would inappropriately use in the wrong context to make the wrong point. But we would allow the Holy Spirit to really teach us, to reveal to us what God is trying to say to us through this letter by the Apostle Paul. I know it's taking some time, but I believe it's really good. Just this past week, I read Ephesians 1 again about 10 times just to allow those spiritual truths to wash over me, to penetrate my heart about these many spiritual blessings that we find in Christ and Christ alone. Chapter 1 was good. And if you ever have read chapter 2 before, you know chapter 2 is amazing as well. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul, he describes this gospel that I'm talking about this morning. And I love the way Paul puts it. He shows us. Why at LifeSpring, we don't just preach to make people better. That we aren't some self-help warehouse full of Dr. Phil one-liners to make you feel better about yourself. That's not the main purpose of church. What a boring purpose. But when I sat in my leadership meeting Monday night, guess what? We didn't talk about how to make people better. No, our purpose is to help make people alive. Alive, not better But alive, alive. Now, once you're alive, well, guess what? We can work with that. Now we've got something to work with. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be transformed. You can be conformed into a brand new thing. I see that process happening all around me. But guess what? You got to be alive first. If you're dead and you try to be just a little better dead, guess what? You're still dead. In my book, that doesn't mean squat. So that's why at LifeSpring, we're all about helping people be alive. Listen to how Paul puts it in Ephesians 2. Let's put it on the screen. As for you, you were, can you say it with me? Dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's where you were. That's where every one of us were. We were dead in our sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Keep that up on the screen if you, if you would. That's some serious bad news. I mean, just look at those three verses. Make a poster of that. Put it up in your dorm room or put it up in your living room. And you are seriously depressed. I mean, that is depressing. Did you hear what I just read? That's worse than the Mariners losing to the Houston Astros. It's some bad news. Dead in our sins, deserving wrath. But here's the thing I've discovered about life. If you don't have some really bad news, you don't have some really awesome news. 
See, the good is pretty good if the bad is kind of bad. But when the bad is really, really bad, the good is really, really good. And guess what, Christians? The gospel is really, really good. And so you might have your ups and downs in life. And you might have these times when you're, you're, you're wondering about this whole thing we call life. But when somebody starts talking about the gospel, you remember those three verses. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I was dead in my sins. In fact, I was in a lot of trouble. But then when they start talking about the gospel, you say, oh, I know what you're talking about. I was in a world of hurt, but verse four says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he did what? He made us alive with Christ. That's the gospel. Truly amazing news. He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ, seated us, up, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow, do you see that beautiful journey? He has brought us from death to the heights of life, seated right now in Christ. That is good news. Amen. And most of us in this room, as I look around, we are alive in Christ. We are. We're alive in Christ. We get 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We get Romans 8.6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We get that in Christ we have life. But I wonder if we truly understand how we came to be alive in Christ. How did we become a new creation where we have been born again? Recently, I've been asking myself this question because even after all of these years of being a Christian, I, Dan Burst, still want to make the gospel and the new creation, the born again life that I have. I want to make it all about me and all that I've done. So when you ask me, Pastor Dan, you were dead in your sins, but now you're alive. How did that happen? Often the answer I give you will sound something like this. Well, you know, I just decided I was tired of sinning and that God's way was the only way. So I decided to follow him. I started reading my Bible every day. You got to read your Bible. I started praying really hard. I pray all day, a never ending conversation with the Lord from morning till night. And I began to serve, just pouring out my life for others. And as I give and serve and allow my life to be used by God, nothing is more satisfying than that to be used by God for his purposes. So I guess I'm alive in Christ because of all the things that I've done and am doing kind of sounds good almost biblical (laughs) listen up this sermon's getting good it's getting juicy because i've said every one of those things to you before yet that answer in and of itself is as absurd as what that bitter man was saying to me 10 years ago There is a main component to the gospel and what it means to be a Christian that is absent from the answer that I so readily give. My theology is upside down. Do you see what I've done? I've made the gospel all about me and what I've done to be alive in Christ. 
So we've taken two steps forward, but life stream, we need to take three steps back. We need to go back to school. We need to go back to Christianity 101, back to the gospel. You were dead, but now you're alive. We're going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 again to see how this miracle happens. Pay attention. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, there's the poster. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. This passage tells us that we are alive in Christ because of three things, and none of them include me. We are alive in Christ because of God's love, because of God's mercy, and because of God, does anyone know? Grace. Grace. I am alive because of God. And again, we can make church out to be something really cool and hip, just this really awesome self-help center where we can better ourselves, where in reality, instead of being known as that self-help center, we should be known as a God-honoring worship center, a house of worship and prayer where we give thanks, we give adoration to the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of grace that has brought us from death to life. Don't confuse what I'm saying. I mean, I believe we should strive to be better. Please be better. I believe we are transformed daily by the renewing of our minds. We should be reading our Bibles every day, by the way, praying without ceasing from morning till night, pouring our lives out in service for others, using our freedom in Christ to serve one another in love. Like Galatians 5 says, right? Don't indulge in the sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to walk in filth. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. But the foundation of all of those wonderful, cute, good things, all of it, the foundation of everything we say, everything we do, the foundation of our ability even to stand is the grace of God. We were dead, but now we're alive. We deserved wrath, and yet he gave us life. How many of you remember Pastor Emmanuel? Anyone remember? Oh, my goodness. Pastor Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he's a pastor up in Saskatchewan, Canada, originally from Ghana. He'll call me every once in a while out of the blue. And every time he does, I'll ask him, how you doing, Pastor Emmanuel? And what does he start every answer with? Anyone remember? By the grace. Oh, by the grace of God, Pastor Dan. Oh, by the grace of God, I'm doing well. By the grace of God, I'm alive. And he has a laughter to him, doesn't he? He has a joy and a smile about him. But Emmanuel, he is who he is because he understands the equation of life. He knows that it's not Emmanuel plus God equals life. No, the equation is God, his love, his mercy, his grace equals life. It's all about the grace of God that has been shown through his son, Jesus Christ. It's by grace that we have been saved. And if you're like me, there's a part of you that kind of thinks that you want to earn your salvation. Anyone else ever feel that way? Well, well, you think you want to earn your salvation, not understanding you are a fool to think you could ever earn your salvation based on your own merit. But we think that's exactly what we want. So, you know, God, just give me 10 things that I need to do. 10 things so I can earn my salvation and show you what a great guy I can be. 
What an amazing, God-honoring, God-fearing Christian I can be. But every one of us in this room would fall short in that system. Look at the Israelites. They are God's chosen people, and yet they turn away from their God again and again. They build a golden calf before Moses can even get down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. They turn from the true God to worship a gold cow. Why did I look at you when I said that? Aaron? But have you noticed with the Israelites, that's not a one-time event. They do this again and again and again. It happens in a bad way soon after Joshua dies. And this is a tough part of Scripture. It's in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. This is what it says. This is tough. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So they had died. This is right after Joshua died. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord Or what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, false gods. Again, they turned from God. This is so very intense for me. A whole generation grew up that did not know God. But if you continue to read Judges, what does God do? God sends Judges, so he appropriately named the book Judges because it's about Judges. But he, he sent these Judges... To save his people. Verse 18 says, Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. But yet God continues to show them mercy even when they had forgotten about him, even when they had gone to worship other gods, he would rise up another judge to save them. Well, guess what? We all turn to other gods as well. Every one of us. We, we've worshipped the things of this world, succumbed to the temptations of life, whether it be sex or money or material possessions. We all missed the mark. We were all dead in our sins, whether it was our hatred toward others, our apathy towards life, our fighting, our jealousy, our drunkenness, our lust, our lust, our sexual immorality, we were all dead in our sins. We were living it up as we were going straight to hell. But God showed each one of us his love, his mercy, and his grace. Can we put Romans 5.8 up on the screen? I'd love for us to read this together. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Let's read it again. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God showed his love for us. Not after I started reading my Bible and started praying and started serving. Not after I only started listening to praise music and only watching G-rated movies. No, while I was living in my filth. Smelling like garbage and waste. Completely bogged down and trapped by my sin. God showed his love for me through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. God sent us a savior who could save us once and for all. Do you remember what happened when Jesus came to this earth? We killed him. We killed him. We tried to get rid of him. 
And little did we know he actually was giving himself up for us. He was willingly dying for us and for our sins. So that when Jesus died, he actually paid the penalty for our sins. He paid our debt. He paid the ransom. He redeemed us. He won us back from sin. This is how Paul describes this in Colossians chapter 2. Listen up. He says, you were what? Dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away. You had missed the mark, fallen short of his righteousness and his perfection that God demands. But then God made you alive in Christ for he forgave all your sins. How many sins? All your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Canceled them. He took it away. Took it away by nailing them on the cross. I hope you see how big God is and how little we are in this life equation. It's all about God. There was a record of charges against you. A record of charges and he canceled them. He took them away. Every single charge against you. Every sin you've ever committed or going to commit. Every spot, every blemish on your record has been removed on the cross. It is by grace you have been saved. And life spring, as I invite the worship team back up, life spring. My prayer for us today is that we'd be, we just start living by the grace of God. Sometimes we just get it all so mixed up and turned around. But that we'd be quick to give an answer for the hope that's within us. That we would shout out like Pastor Emmanuel. It is by the grace of God that I am alive. God's grace. It's time to stop earning our salvation. Earn that favor with the Lord. Trying to get into his good graces. Stop trying to be the teacher's pet. Life spring. He doesn't want us to grow a church full of a bunch of nice people who are trying to get to heaven. He wants us to build disciples who are completely and utterly dependent upon the grace of God. Knowing that without the shed blood of his precious son washing us clean, they are dead in their sins with a righteousness that looks and smells like filthy rags destined to hell. But by the grace of God, we are alive with Christ. But by the grace of God, we are alive with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace today, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, forgive us for when we try to earn our salvation. We are foolish and we've lost our way. But thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that has given us new life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that continually points us back to Jesus and reminds us of the true gospel where we once were dead but are now alive in you. Forgive us, Lord, right now this morning. Forgive us for when we make the gospel about us. It is and will forever be about your glorious son, Jesus, who paid the price for our sins on that cross. Forgive us, Lord. And with all heads bowed, I would love to give this opportunity, provide an opportunity for some of you to accept this wonderful work of Jesus Christ on that, on that cross. I, the, the reality is some of you know that you are dead in your sins. You know that there is no hope. And Jesus today wants to wash them away. He wants to remove every sin that you will ever commit. His work on the cross is big enough for every sin you've ever committed or will commit. And today, by God's grace, he wants to forgive you, to wash you clean, to make you his, that you will be declared holy. You will be declared blameless. You will be declared righteous. 
So if you want that today, if you want to start a new day, a new life, to be born again, to be that new creation, if you just look up at me with all heads bowed, just look up at me and I will pray with you. Anybody? Just look at me and we'll, we'll pray together. You bet. Absolutely. Bet. Let's pray. Let's pray together, all of us. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for you. Thank you for you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that I am forgiven of my past sins, of my past sins, my current sins, my current sins, my future sins, and my future sins, all because of you. Thank you. Lord, I look forward to a new life in you. Lord, help me to know and help me to live in a way that is all about you and not about me. I don't want to just be better. I want to be free. So let your grace Wash over me. In your wonderful name we pray. 